0: Welcome to Passion Life Church. We start a brand new series that I'm so excited about that we have entitled Freedom. Would you say that with me? Say freedom. You know, the Bible says who the sun sets free is free indeed. And if you have your phone, your iPad, or maybe you have an old school page Bible like I like to read, would you turn with me to John chapter eight, verse 30, John chapter eight, verse 30. And I'm so excited to, to begin this, this, this series called freedom. I personally believe for me and for our church, this was the word that God had placed on my heart is freedom. Would you say it again? Come on, say freedom. Come on, say it with some backbone, say Freedom. Type it in the chat this morning. Freedom. Freedom. You know, and I believe that this year, 2022, that you are going to see some victories that you've been praying for, that you have believing for, and it's going to happen this year. Anybody agree with that today? Anybody? I I believe this year. It's the time to experience freedom over anxiety. Come on, somebody. Freedom over worry. Freedom over fear. Come on. Can I hear a good amen today? Freedom over shame. And so I think what happens is many times we don't realize how that when Jesus died for our sins, that it wasn't just for our sins and so we can go to heaven. Oh, I'm thankful, thankful for heaven. I'm thankful for salvation. I'm not trying to minimize that. But listen, Jesus didn't die just so you could be forgiven, He also died so you could be free. Come on, somebody. He died so we could be free and walk in freedom. And Galatians chapter five, verse one says this, as you're turning to John chapter eight, verse 30, Galatians chapter five, verse one says, it is for freedom that God, could you guys turn me down just a little bit, please? I appreciate it. I'm going to shout during this message. I can't talk about freedom and go, Hey, we're going to talk about freedom today. I'm not going to do that. Right, I'm going to give you more of a brave heart type freedom. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but it's a freedom shout. So thanks. Galatians chapter 4, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm. That's what this series is about. We're going to stand firm for the freedom that God has given us. It's already been given to us, but we're going to stand in it. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I've entitled today. Freedom from shame. Freedom from shame. And here's what I'm going to do. During this message, I'm going to go through specific things that we need freedom from. And I believe it's, it's really going to help us. I really think that some of us have just been bound way too long, especially with this word right here, shame. Have you found John chapter 8, verse 31? It says this, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in me, if you abide in my word, You are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you, what is that word, come on, the truth will set you free, verse 33, they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham, and have never been enslaved to anyone, how is it you say, you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave How many of you know slavery is the opposite of freedom? And he says, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And that is the goal of sin. You know, the Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season. It's not that it's not fun. But here's the end goal. The end goal is that what you started with and what you started controlling would now control you. The end game of sin is that you would become a slave to it. That you would no longer be able to say no. That, that's the goal. That's what Jesus is saying. The slave, verse 35, does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son, who's the son? Jesus, sets you free, then you are free indeed. You know, I looked up this word indeed in the Greek. I like to do that. I like to look up words in the Greek because that's the original language of the New Testament. And this word indeed says this, who the son sets free is free, and that word indeed means in reality. It actually means this, truly. It actually means the opposite of a fictitious fate. In other words, it's not a fake freedom. It's actually a true freedom that transcends itself into the reality of your life. And so Jesus is talking here, and he begins to share how true freedom is possible through him. And it is, I really actually believe this is how true freedom happens. We can try all these other things, but only Jesus can set you free and make you free indeed. And as he's talking about that, it's an interesting response that the Jews have because their response can be like our response at times. They said, Hey, look, Jesus, we are the offspring of Abraham and we've never been enslaved to anyone. Now, This is interesting to me because their response is really surface level and their response is really has a little bit of denial in here because they don't really even know what they're saying because God's people were enslaved. They were enslaved in Egypt. They were enslaved in uh, Babylon, but Jesus was letting them know, listen, you don't have to have chains on your hands and your feet to be a slave. That you can actually be a slave to sin and still be walking around and it seem like you're free. Can I hear a good amen today? And so what they do is what we do a lot of times is we allow our pride to get in. And so we deny and we can deny the bondage that we're actually in. We don't really want to tell anybody. And why, why do we do this? Why, why, why do we do this? I think because a lot of times we don't want to admit that we need help. I think a lot of times we don't want to admit that we need deliverance. Or here's here's one I think is a huge one. We try to, and we believe that we can just save ourselves. I don't need to get anybody else involved. But verse 34, Jesus says this. Jesus answered and he said, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Now, I want to give us a little bit of foundation on freedom and sin before we talk about shame because what's important is sin is the foundation for all of slavery. Sin is the, the, the foundation for all of bondage. And there's no being free until we deal with the sin that's in our life. Let me say it this way. There's no freedom until we allow God to deal with the sin in our life. Can I hear a good amen today? And here's the reality. Our world is in bondage to sin. And I, this, is what, this is my prayer for this series. My prayer for this series, as we understand freedom in our lives, and we begin to experience it, that we wouldn't just experience freedom for ourselves, but we understand that there is a world that's in bondage and in slavery, and we, and God is going to use us to help bring a dying world out of slavery and into the freedom that he's brought us. Can I hear a good amen today? Can I hear a better amen today? Because this isn't enough to just say, whoo, I'm free. You know what? When you do that, people are going to say, hey, what's going on? What are you doing? And I'm believing, I'm hoping that today and throughout this series, you'll take some notes, not just for yourself, but I'm hoping that you'll have some conversations with some friends and you'll start to bring up these notes because once you experience freedom, you don't want to go back and you want everybody to experience freedom. But in verse 36, he says, therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free and And so the great news is my church family is that what Jesus did on the cross has freed you and I from sin. You and I can overcome sin because Jesus overcame and the overcomer is in you. And this is what our world needs. Our world doesn't need more politics. Come on, somebody. Our world needs Jesus. Our world needs the love of Jesus. They need to understand the freedom that that comes from him. In verse 32, he says, and you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. Now watch this. I think this is so important. You shall know the truth and truth will set us free. So listen, this is important. God has defined truth as two things. Are you ready? Number one, his son. Truth is a person and truth is a promise, his word. I want to say that again. God has defined the truth as Jesus, his son and his word. John 14, six, Jesus said, I am the way I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the father, but through me. So this is important because there are some of you watching online today. There are some of you here, and you go, this is great, Phil. I love this. Though the truth and the truth shall set you free. That's awesome. But my challenge is that I'm still struggling in some stuff. Yes, and you will. Because here's the the, the reality. It's the truth you know that sets you free. It's the truth that is in you from this word that will set you free. So I've got to know this word because truth sets me free. And so here's what we're going to learn. As we go through a couple of things in this freedom series, you're going to find out that when we are not experiencing freedom in our lives, it's because it's due to believing maybe even a little lie instead of believing the truth. And oftentimes I think this is what happens And here is where the disconnect is. We go, okay, well, if Jesus really did this and if this is really powerful and I can be free, why am I not experiencing that? My question is, is do you know truth and do you believe the truth? Because when we are believing and knowing the truth, freedom comes. But here's the reality. When you believe a lie, it brings bondage. Even though that Jesus won the victory, even though that he is an overcomer, if I'm not putting my belief and my faith in Jesus, it's possible to be a Christian and still be in slavery to certain things. Can I hear a good amen? My church family, what we believe matters. What you believe matters. And so knowing the truth, and here's how you know the truth, there's freedom in your life. So if I'm still battling in areas, it's because I need more truth. I need to expose myself in knowing the truth. But believing a lie brings bondage. And so what I want to do is I want to expose the lie of shame that comes over our lives. And I believe today this is a huge, huge subject because so many people deal with it. Everybody in this room deals with shame. Let me ask you a question. Anybody in this room have done anything that you've ever been ashamed of? Let let me see your hand. You've done it. All right. Those of you raise your hands. That's fine. Turn to your neighbor and tell them what it was. No, I'm kidding. We're not going to do that today. We're not going to do that today. You know, for me, shame started very small when I was little in kindergarten. I was a kindergartner and I don't know what happened. I was even thinking today and I had to be careful because I had to go back thinking about through some stuff that caused myself shame. And when I started thinking about those things, guess what's knocking at the door? Shame, right? And so I was thinking about, man, shame for me started really early. I was five years old in kindergarten and I had a crush on this girl. And so I don't know how we did it. I don't know if I was the daddy Mac or what, but we planned to get under the table and the table had a tablecloth on it. And during class, we went under the table five years old. And then that girl kissed me. Not like you kiss your mom. You know what I'm talking about? Like I'm talking about like she kissed me right on my lips, right? And I'm like I don't even know what's going on. But you know I, I should listen. I should have known something was up just by her name. I should have known, right, that she was going to bring me down because her name was Tracy Lowe. Tracy Lowe. That was her name. So I should have known. I should. I, I should have known at five years old this girl's going to bring me down. Who kind of last name is Tracy Lowe? And I remember I got out from underneath and nobody knew, nobody saw, but I knew, right? And the things that we do sometimes can bring shame, right? And I believe that this is so important that we and you and I receive freedom from shame. Cause I'm going to tell you, I think this is the biggest issue with Christians. What do you, what do you mean? Pastor Phil, I believe if you don't have freedom from shame, it actually stops you from being intimate with God. Shame will stop you from entering boldly into, it's interesting because the Bible says that we're supposed to enter boldly into his throne room to obtain grace. So even if I'm not feeling like I should feel and maybe as righteous as I should or holy as, I'm supposed to enter because there's grace there, but shame will stop you from obtaining grace. And that's really the antidote. That's what we need, but shame will say, no, you're not worthy. Shame will actually stop you from receiving miracles. It'll stop you from praying bold prayers, being passionate. Why? Because they're shame. And I honestly believe in 30 years of ministry, 20 of those years, 21 of those years working in youth ministry and another nine now working more with adults. Most people don't doubt that God can do something or that he will do something for them. Listen, I believe most people doubt the, their own personal worthiness to receive that miracle. I believe shame will keep you sick. See, when my wife and I got COVID last year, you say, why'd you get COVID? Because there's a devil out there and he wants to kill me because he knows that my life is full of purpose. But if you're not careful, even when you start to get sick, I've had people tell me, well, the reason why I'm getting sick is, Pastor Phil, is because God is trying to show me something. God is trying to teach me something. And actually, you know, He's really trying to, to punish me for some of the things that I've done. Listen, you know what that is talking? That's shame talking. That's shame. My church family, we live in a fallen world. There are germs everywhere all the time. Before COVID, there were still germs. Come on, somebody. There was a thing called the flu which nobody talks about anymore. Come on, there was the flu. Come on, there was colds. Come on, come on. There was post-nasal drip. That's what my doctor said. You got a post-nasal drip. I don't know what it is, but it's there. It's all there. It's all there. In my church family, we live in a fallen world. That's why you have to have faith in Jesus Christ and things are gonna come against you, right? And sir, there are things that we can do to build up our immunities and all those things and rest and all those are great. But can I just tell you, the enemy tries to capitalize on sickness and disease in our life and if you are prone to shame, you are actually gonna think that God doesn't wanna heal you, that God doesn't wanna move you forward. But that's a shame mentality. Are you glad you came to church? today. And here's the reality. Shame will rob you of the promises of God. Shame will rob you of the promises of God. And I wonder how many today listening to me watching you have deep seated shame from something that happened to you, maybe something that you did, and you've never dealt with that shame. I want to tell you the good news about this. Shame was never God's plan. Never God's plan. You know, when God created man, he created man and woman in the garden. And I love what Genesis chapter two, verse 25 says. It says, and the man and his wife were both naked and not, what? Ashamed. Everybody look at me today. God is not using shame to correct you. Shame is a result of sin. This is so important. When Adam and Eve were created by God, the Bible says they were naked, but it was actually a glory that was all over their body. They were walking in the glory of God. They walked with God. They had a glory. When they ate of the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know, I was uh, had a two-hour debate with an atheist, and uh, and they asked me this question: Well, if God's so good, well, then why did He put that tree in the garden? because God had to give mankind a choice. Love has to have a choice, right? If my wife, right, before we were married, grabbed me by my arm and put my arm behind me and said, you're going to marry me, boy, right? That's not love. Come on, somebody. I had to choose her. She had to choose me because some of you girls are laughing because maybe that's what you did. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And boy, you're going to, man, you don't know what's good for me. I'm good for you. But God put that in there so they could have a choice. And he said, you could eat from every tree, except that one. And human nature says, I want what I can't have. Come on, somebody, right? And so they ate, watch this. And as soon as they ate, the Bible says this. When Jesus, when God comes walking in the garden, he says, Adam, where are you? And finally, right, he didn't ask them because he didn't know where they were at. He didn't ask them because God had amnesia. God knew where they were at, but God wanted them to admit where they were at. And Adam says this. He says, listen, we ate from the tree. Watch, listen. And you know what? We saw that we were naked. This is what sin does. Sin will cause you to be consumed with self. And here's the reality. What do they do? They try to cover themselves. They got fig leaves. And here's the reality. We become so consumed with self and this is what we still do today. We still try to cover our own mistakes. And God, that was what God wanted. God wanted him and them to walk in their glory. And so what happened was when they did that, God says, look, look at you trying to cover yourself. And so what he did was he actually killed an animal and put And put the skin of the animals on them because blood had to be shed for their sin. But listen, ladies and gentlemen, this is so important. God never wanted you and I to know shame. He never wanted that for you and I. But guilt and shame is a result of sin. It always comes together. And so guilt and shame being a part of sin... I think it's under, under, we need to understand what shame does to us, what guilt does to us. You know, I don't know if you've ever read any of B'nai Brown's books. B'nai Brown is an author, and she's done some, some extensive research on shame and guilt. And this is how she describes shame. She says, shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging something we've experience done or failed to do makes us unworthy of connection. Now I want you to leave that quote up for a minute. There's, there's truth to this because my church family without Jesus Christ in our lives, we are flawed. Amen. We're flawed. We're sinful without Christ. But here's the key ingredient, is who God is. Even when you were sinful and flawed, God loved you. You were worthy of his love. And it is because God is love. But the Bible says, while you are yet in sin, Christ died for you. He says this, nothing can ever separate you from the love of God. That's a good scripture right there. Nothing could separate us from the love of God. So even when I was in sin, God was like, man, I love these people. Now, here's what people don't understand. Yes, God loves us, but it's up to us to respond to that love. Can I hear a good amen today? Many people won't be in heaven in eternity with God. They will be in hell. And it wasn't because God didn't love them. It was because they never responded to the great love of God through faith. And that's who God is. Now, B'nai Brown talks about the difference between guilt and shame. And I think this is really helpful. Guilt says, hey, you know what? I did something bad. Shame says you are bad. Guilt says, I made a mistake. Shame says, you are a mistake. Shame has to do with how you see yourself. Listen, shame always has to do with your identity, with who you are. I'm not worthy. And shame needs three things to grow. It needs secrecy, that's why I think this is so important with this freedom um, series is we're going to bring the light of truth to every dark area in our life. And we're just going to expose it. Can I hear a good amen? Why do you want to do that? Phil? So you can walk in freedom in 22. So you don't have to relive 2021, relive 2020, 2019. You in 2022 can be the person that God has called you to be, but we've got to get shame out of that secret place, but it needs secrecy. Listen, it also, shame needs Judgment. And it also needs, not only does it need um, secrecy, not only does it need uh, judgment. Let me see, I, I lost my place in my notes here. I apologize here for a minute. It needs secrecy, judgment, and there's one more. All right, well, I'm going to, if I come back to it, um, I'll, get, I'll get it back to you. I'll give it back to you. So what shame believes, shame believes is that I am unworthy. I'm unworthy of love, I'm of unworthy of connecting with people. Now guilt can turn into shame real quick. It can turn into shame real quick. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you some, some mindsets, some shame behaviors or mindsets, and they translate into behaviors. But here's the first one. When you have a shame based mindset, you become vulnerable to perfectionism. Perfectionism. Why perfectionism? Listen, shame says you need to perform you need to perform in order to become worthy for God to love you. You need to perform, and it's based on your works that God would do blessings for you, that God would do miracles for you. And so we attempt to silence shame based on our performance. Or what we don't want to do is admit failure. Why admit failure? Because it brings more shame. Come on, somebody. Right. And so what happens is a person who isn't free from shame, they're trying to earn God's uh, miracles through performance. And here's what they do, too. They punish themselves. They constantly punish themselves. Now, here's the lie of shame. Are you ready? The lie of shame is my performance can free me from my shame. Oh man, if I just do good. All right. I'm just going to, I'm just going to get away from it, right? I'm going to do good. So my church family, are we saved by our own performance? No, we are saved because there's only one person who has had a perfect performance and his name was Jesus Christ. He was the perfect man who walked on the earth, 100% man, 100% God. And when he walked on the earth, he was perfect. So watch this. I am not saved because I have perfect performance. I am saved because I put my faith In the one who has perfect performance and his name was Jesus Christ. And so when my obedience wasn't good enough and it never was, my faith is not even in my own obedience. My faith is in the obedience of Jesus Christ who was perfect and never sinned. Although he was tempted, he never sinned. Now, I'm not saying that performance is not important. Obedience is important. But what I'm saying is that if you think just by your own performance it's going to save you from shame, it will not. And we will stay bound. Is this helping anybody today? And here's the cool thing about what Jesus did. I don't have to earn it. I just have to receive it. That's what faith is. Faith says I receive that sacrifice of what Jesus did for my sin. That cross was for me. That cross was for my mess up. But thank God I didn't even go to the cross. Jesus went to the cross and he became sin for me. And here's what faith does. Faith says, I know I'm unworthy. I know that my performance doesn't add up, but thank God I received that Jesus, his sacrifice was enough for my sin. Come on. Can we give him a better round of applause? than that. So here's what happens when you get into the performance mindset. Listen, you try to pay for what's already paid for. It doesn't make sense. We went out to eat last week after church, as we often do. We saw a family at the church there. It was them and their 13 kids or I don't know how many kids they had. like three, three kids, 13, same thing, right? so they're all eating and it's awesome. And we love this family. And so we sat down to eat. And, uh, and so I just felt like we need to, we need to pay for their meal. They're a great family. We love them. And, uh, so I told our waitress, we need to pay for their meal. And so then I saw our waitress talking to their waitress. I said, something's up. So their waitress was trying to tell our waitress that they were trying to pay for our meal. So she comes back, she says, I don't know how to tell you this, but that family wants to pay for your meal. Isn't that amazing? I think to me that's what Christians do. Like, man, don't rob me of my blessing over here. No, you don't rob me of my blessing. I'm trying to give to you. No, you're trying to give to me. Come on, we're generous people. Come on, somebody. That's where we should be. And so I told our waitress, listen, you tell them it's already done. It's done. It's done. And they're... It was awkward for the waitresses because we're both customers and how many of the customers always right? I'd say, you just tell them, it's done. So they can't pay for what's already paid for. It's done. In my church family, when Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished, you are forgiven, you are free. When he said it was finished, it's because there was no more for you and I to do because he paid for it so you can't pay for what he already paid for. Come on, somebody. But in our performance, this is what we do. We feel like we need to add to the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's finished. Thank you, Jesus. It's done. Hallelujah. It's paid for. Come on. Am I helping out somebody today? It's paid for. So we become vulnerable to perfectionism with this mindset of shame. Here's another mindset of, that, uh, that shame will start to have us do. It'll, be, it'll turn into a behavior. My church family, I'm just telling you, behaviors come out of our belief systems. Here's another mindset. We are critical of ourselves when we have shame. And which drives us to become critical of other people. Why are we so critical of us with shame? I'm going to tell you why. Because we know deep inside, we don't add up. So we become critical Listen, hear me. Sin is someone who is consumed with self constantly. I don't add up. I don't, and you may have had people in your life that told you stuff like this. You don't add up. You're stupid. Listen, I, I had a lot of, I'm speaking today over there's Sometimes I preach in faith, like, yeah, man, I, we need to do that. I want to do that. I'm working towards that. There's sometimes I preach from a spirit of victory because I had to overcome all of this. My dad, man, him and my mom, when they were married, he was from Guadalajara, Mexico, right? And she was Polish and Ita- she was Polish and Italian. So I lived in, like in a saga of, I love Lucy. I don't know if you've ever seen that. When he got mad, man, he started speaking in Spanish and yelling and all that. That's how I learned Spanish. though. man, I can't. I don't even know what that means. It means come over here. But he would tell me because he, and this was before he was saved. Uh, he would tell me how stupid I was. He would tell me how dumb I was. And I remember a lot of time there was just this, 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 this shame that would come over me. But listen, my church family. So it made me, his shame came on me and made me very critical of myself that I already had shame. And 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 here's the reality. If you're taking notes, write this down. Shamed people shame people. Sometimes we're so critical of ourselves, we allow that to seep over on friends. And listen, please, my church family, if you are a parent in this room, do not use shamed-based parenting. It does not work work. See, that's what would happen with my dad. He didn't say, oh, you made a mistake on your report card. Cause literally one, one time I brought my report card home. It was all Fs. How many know F doesn't stand for fun, but you know what I did when I showed him my report card and they were all Fs. Here's what I was doing. I was living up to the confession that he spoke over me. You're an idiot. You're stupid. Yeah, I am. Look, I'm exactly what you say I am. And then I got the, paddled. See, here's what shamed-based parenting says. I hear this all the time and sometimes my church family would be very proud of me. God has really worked on me because sometimes I want to walk over there and stick up for the kids. But when I hear this, I hear this a lot. What's wrong with you? He pooped his diaper. That's what kids do. That's what puppies do. What's one thing spill something in the back. What's wrong with you? And so now the kid, what, I just don't understand what, what, do parents expect kids to say at seven years old? When you say, what is wrong with you? Are they supposed to come back and say, well, I'm a pathological liar. And you know, d- d- but see, this is what's challenging is that if they're in you, It will seep out into other people. This is why I have to, I really have to, we have to be smart and we have to encourage our kids that they are not what they do. Your kid may have made a mistake, but our, here's great parenting. Grace parenting is when you say, this is not who you are. You just did this, but this is not you. Actually, this is you. And because this is you, this is not how people like you act. Come on, somebody, right? And so when my son comes home and he has a C on his report, Hard. And for us, we're not about perfectionism. We're about, Gavin, you just do your best. But when he comes with a C, and I say, hey man, I see this C. Is this the best that you got? Because Gavin, I see somebody who's very intelligent. I see somebody who's hardworking. What's going on here? No, dad, you know, you're right. I can do better. Because he's not a C. None. Of, nobody is. We just learn different. Come on, somebody. But shame Causes you to put that label on an identity. Is this helping anybody? Is this helping anybody? So you gotta build your kids up. Man, I don't know what I can say here, but I'm gonna say it. You know, people are shamed into alternative lifestyles. Shamed. I've seen good kids, homeschooled kids, good kids. And as soon as they go to public school and as soon as they say something like or they act a little bit feminine, a guy will act a little bit feminine, that all of a sudden people in the class, oh, guess what? You're gay. What? I am? I am? You're, yeah, look at the way you look. I want to, Can I tell you a secret? I personally think that Brad Pitt is a handsome man. One time I walked into the bank and the woman said, you know, you look so familiar. You actually look like a, an actor. I said, Brad Pitt. But here's what the world says. Because I am a man and I can recognize when someone's attractive, there must be something wrong with me. You're gay, Phil. You think, Pat? oh my gosh, Brad, can I just say something? Brad Pitt's in movies for some reason. They didn't, even cast, they didn't even cast me for Nacho Libre. Come on, somebody. <laughs> but if I recognize that, guess what? I'm shamed all of a sudden. Ooh, that's dirty. That's bad. No, it actually means that I can recognize the beauty of God's creation. I can actually even look at a woman and go, you know, she's very attractive. Val, my wife, I'm not attracted to her, but she's, she's attractive. Why do we walk around like this? I'm a Christian. No, 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 everybody's ugly, but my... Come on come on somebody. But shame, it comes from shame. Is this too real today? But you know what? We are so critical of ourselves. And then so we allow that shame. Now here's another shame-based thinking. Now I'm going to give you the truth about it. Here's another mindset. We use self-defeating thoughts to shield ourselves from disappointment. Oh, this is a good one. So we focus on the best, on the worst possible outcome. You know what shame is doing? Shame is actually self-sabotaging. Write that down. It's self-sabotaging. And again, remember, sin is consumed with self. Worst possible. So here's what happens with shame. Because of shame, we won't take advantage of opportunities that are in front of us. Watch this, because of shame, we want to take advantage of even good relationships, even even with, you want to call it dating, but even with friends. My church family, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Shame affects every relationship you have. Every relationship you have. And so with shame, you'll reject somebody before they reject you. And they may not even reject you. You know, there's sometimes... When I'm hanging out with certain people and there's there's certain people in my life, I love them. And I'll I'll get a text from them. Hey, I was just thinking about you, whatever, during Christmas. And I just so appreciate our friendship. and, and, And it's so easy for shame to rise up and go, I don't even know why this person's texting me. I'm not that. But you know what's interesting? Is that they see something in me that is who I really am. But my challenge is I don't see it because shame will shield me. We need freedom from this. We need freedom from this. Shame will cause a parent to just lash out on their kid for no apparent reason. You know, another person may try to medicate their shame. They try to drink, so they disengage. My church family is all because of shame. Listen, if you don't love yourself, how will you allow others to love you? Um, Just looking at the time. I have a problem with relationships. (laughs) If you don't know that, now you know. And I have a problem with relationships a lot of times because my expectation is that people will be as real with me as I am with them. Because for me, honestly, I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how you look. I mean, I do care if you have hygiene and stuff like that, that makes a good friendship, you know, that you're brushing your teeth and all that. I, that's great. But can I just tell you something? I don't care about all of that. You know, all as I want from a person is authenticity. I just, even if you're a jerk, be a jerk and say you're a jerk. Well, cool. I respect that. We could be friends if you're, a, that's cool but don't pretend to be something. And so my challenge with relationships is that I just come in like, Hey, this is me. I'm just a real person. I'm just, and, and people are like, they've got the shield of shame. And I don't know if I can let you know who I am. And I, man, I'd love to get to know you. So what? listen, we all have mistakes. Okay. I'm the only one that's going to admit it. See, that's, we're going to have a problem with our relationship. I said, we all make mistakes. My church family, just because I stood here today, guess what? I put on my pants one leg at a time, just like you did. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen? And so I don't want my shame to stop me from having relationships. But what I realize is that so, so many people are wrapped up in their shame. They really can't connect with others. And we need freedom. We need freedom. So I finally remembered what shame needs to grow. You ready? Three things. It needs secrecy, silence, and judgment. Secrecy, silence, and judgment. And are you ready? The underlying belief of shame is I'm just not enough. I'm just not enough. And the only way to heal from shame, my church family, is to move the focus from, watch this, what I am not to who Jesus is. What I am not who Jesus is. And let me give you the truth about shame in these last couple of moments that we have. Here's the truth. Because truth does what to us? It sets us free. Number one, truth, shame is a liar. Let me say that again. Shame is a liar. Shame says you are your mistake. All right, and here's the biggest lie of shame, all right? There's a lot of little lies, but this is the biggest lie. Are you ready? Shame says, and the lie of shame says, is that your sin is greater than Jesus' sacrifice. That's what shame says to you. What you did is greater than what Jesus did. My church family, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Can I hear a good amen? And it's also prideful to think that what you did was greater than what Jesus did on the cross. How dare you? But that's what we believe. I hear it all. You just don't know what I did. No, you just don't know what he did. Come on, somebody. Adam was naked in the garden. And you know what? He had shame because of sin. But Jesus hung on the cross naked so he could overcome shame. So you and I can be free and free and overcome sin and shame and guilt. That's what he did. So no matter what you've done, no matter how many times you've done it, it still doesn't override what Jesus did on the cross. Come on, somebody. We need to give him a better round of applause than that. Does that help? Does that free you? Shame is a liar. Shame says what you did is greater than what Jesus did. Shame says you are what you've done, not who what God says you are. So here's the great news. I don't have to punish myself because Jesus was punished for me. Jesus went through an extensive, extensive punishment every part of his body bleeding. Why? So you don't have to punish yourself. My church family, when Jesus was on the cross, and he looked up, and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was the first time in the whole eternity that Jesus never called God his father. He said, my God, he said, my God, why have you forsaken me? And here's the answer. Jesus was forsaken. So you and I could be accepted. He took our shame. So we could Live in freedom. Can I hear a good amen today? So, His grace is bigger than my disgrace. Whoo, let that sink in. His grace is bigger than my disgrace. Thank you, Jesus. Well, Pastor Phil, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. Your identity before Christ was first a sinner. Now your identity is you are a child of God. Listen, this is big. This is so important. If you see yourself as a sinner, I'm just a sinner first, then I'm saved by grace. You will continue in your sin. When you understand you are a child of God now, and yes, you do make mistakes, and yes, we do struggle, but that's not who we are. We are who God says that we are, not because that's the way we feel or even the way that things in our life line up. We are who God says we are because that's the truth, and the truth will set you free to walk in the way that God wants you to walk. Shame is a liar. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. I love the way it says in the message, with the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us no longer have to live under this contentious, low-lying black cloud. That's what shame is. just a low-lying black cloud over you. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like... A strong wind has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a fate, long time of brutal tyranny, that's slavery, at the hands of sin. Say it with me. Say, I am a child of God. Say, I am a child of God. Come on, say it loud. Say, I am a child of God. Here's number two. Shame is an accuser. Shame is constantly saying, shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on you. And God is saying, shame off you. Shame off you. Shame off you. And the enemy is constantly saying, here's what, shame on you. Here's what's so twisted about shame. You may be here or you may be watching online and you were abused. You were seriously a victim of somebody else's abuse. Why would you have shame? You did nothing. But shame doesn't care. Shame says you are what happened to you. Shame on you. You And so the enemy will accuse you. He lies to you and says, this is who you are. You are what has been done to you. Shame on you. And God is saying today, listen, shame off you. Romans 10, 11, as the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to what? So when you are believing in the truth, walking in truth, God will never put you to shame never put you the same. So here's my question, Passion Life Church. Whose word will you believe? The one of the accuser or the one of the encourager? The one of the word of God? Because here's the reality. Listen, when you believe that you are who the enemy says you are, do you know that that takes faith? Do you know that it takes belief? And so you are walking in accordance to what you believe. And this is what's interesting to me. They both take faith. So why don't I put my faith in the truth of what God says instead of what the enemy is saying and walking in that. But when I know truth, it will set me free. Don't accept. Listen, don't accept shame as true for your life. Don't accept shame as true for your life. Even though it's a lie, you can accept it as truth. But it's not the truth. Can I hear a good amen today? Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation, no condemnation, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, this translation says, who walk who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life is in Christ Jesus, who has made me free from the law of sin and death. I don't like this translation, and I, I don't know why I put it in there. I, 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 but the, the true Greek says this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Period. That's it. It's like the translators couldn't, couldn't accept the fact that this is too good to be true, that you and I, that there's no condemnation because of Jesus. So they had to act. Well, if you walk according to the flesh, well then, then there's no condemnation. No, the truth is, is that Jesus gives you the gift of no condemnation. So you don't have to walk according to the flesh. Can I hear a good amen today? And here's the last one for today. The truth about shame is this. Shame is always past focused. But God is promised focused. Shame only exists when we're focused on our past. Some of us need freedom from our past. Some of us, our past has become our prison. You know, it's interesting because I'm standing here in 2022, January 9th, 2022. But I'm literally speaking to people who are living in 2019. And some of you are living in 1990. Some of you, 1984. You know why? Because that's when things happen to you. And so you continue to replay and you continue to repeat those things in your mind, right? Because that's what shame does. Shame is always past focus. But we need to renew our mind with the word of God and with the truth. And instead of having shame on replay, we need to have God's promises on repeat and replay in our mind that tells us who we are. We are forgiven. We are a child of the king. Come on, I am a daughter of the king. Can I hear a good amen today? Now, I want to say this and we're going to pray. I believe today you're going to be free from shame. But today's message and any of these messages that we hear in this freedom series, it's not a one time fix. What do I mean by that? You're going to walk out of here and go, man, that was great, man. I feel free. But by 4 o'clock today, the accuser is not going to sit back and go, Woohoo, They are free! I am leaving them alone. You know what he's going to do? He's going to come back, and he's going to keep accusing. And so as he keeps accusing, and he reminds you of who you were, listen, you remind him of who, he are, who you are. You're going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to speak the word of God. Can I hear a good amen today? That's why Jesus said, if you abide in me. If, if, there's two ifs in there. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. This is what Jesus says to you and I. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. Write this down. Take a picture of this screen. It's time to forget what God has already forgiven. It's time to forget what God has already forgiven. God has forgiven you and he's not reminding himself. We keep reminding him often, but my church family, it's time to forget some things. It doesn't mean that they didn't happen to you, but it does mean that it's under the blood. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two says this, Jesus on the cross, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame. He said it was finished. And so he sat down at the right hand of God. My church family, on the cross, Jesus defeated shame. Jesus defeated sin. Pastor Philia, I still struggle. I still make mistakes. Here's what I do. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of of all unrighteousness. Listen. You are already cleansed. The Bible says he cleanses. His blood is active and cleansing you all the time. So here's what I do. Every time I feel like I make a mistake, here's what I say. Thank you, God, that I'm forgiven. Thank you for your forgiveness, God. I, I, man, I messed up. Thank you. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. That's not who I am. What I did is not who I am, but I am forgiven. In my church family, I wonder what the church, I wonder what you would look like totally free. Can I give you just a hint? You would be joyful when you're free. You would be bold when you're free. You would be passionate because all of your sins are forgiven. Come on. Can we stand today as we pray and close out today's message? Can we give the Lord a great round of applause for his word? Come on somebody. Would you bow your heads? I wonder how many today are are secretly dealing with shame. I wonder how many today, you, you're fighting. Nobody knows, you've been hurt. Maybe you've been abused and there's shame. And the great news is where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, there's freedom. God sees you today. He loves you today and what he did on the cross frees you from sin and from shame today. Come on, if you've dealt with shame or you're dealing with shame, would you just lift up your hands and receive his forgiveness? Come on, just receive it from him today maybe it's from a divorce maybe it's from a bankruptcy there's been shame maybe there's some things that have been done to you maybe it's just you just don't feel like you're 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 the right you're, you're doing the right thing as a parent come on just receive his love today receive his forgiveness today lord we thank you that you cleanse us today and that we are today who you say that we are in the name of of Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we never like to close out a service without giving you the opportunity to know this incredible God, to know this incredible Jesus who died on the cross for you and for me to forgive us of all of our sins. And it's real. We just have to have faith in it. And today, if you'll have faith in this sacrifice, you can stop the performing, you can stop the punishing of yourself and allow his mercy and his grace to touch your heart today. If you say, Phil, I need Jesus in my heart, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Come on, repeat it after me. Say, Father God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Father God, forgive me of all of my sin. I repent. Jesus, come inside my heart. Make me new. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna live for you. I am a child of God. Come on, say it. I am a child of God. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.